You're listening to episode 11 of This Is Us podcast, brought to you by Joanne the Life Coach Podcast Productions. We also host Widowcast and Weight Coach in iTunes. everybody. The show is back and so are we. This is Joanne. And this is Rachel. Hey, hi, Rachel. I could not wait to get on here and podcast. I know it. (laughs) I know it. I was doing my, um, you know, I always like to do a second watch through to make notes on. Yeah. I never even got through my second walkthrough. But it's it's okay. It's like no, I just I just need to podcast it. <laughs> I can't yeah. even watch it the second time. So everybody's getting like uh, first impressions on this one. Yeah, sometimes I think um, when you're just got the energy going, it's good to just talk about it and get it out. I know, I know. Well, first of all, a little bit of business here for everybody. One is. I was not able to rescue the recording for episode six. So we know episode six is missing from season one. It something happened with the podcasting recording software and made us sound like chipmunks. I could slow us down, but then it got really crunchy sounding. There's just no way to fix the audio on it. So, um, we might at some point go back and redo episode six, but I don't know. I think we're better just moving forward with the story and are apologized. Technical difficulties happen. Yeah. Maybe sure we'll haven't. go we'll go back and do a throwback episode once the season's over and we're bored with nothing to podcast I, about. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And it'll fill it in for those who are binge watching that hadn't started watching it before. That right, might want for to go sure. through the podcast series. Yeah. So um we'll have yeah, to be the, we'll the have to be careful not to uh not not to go back knowing everything that we're gonna know in the future and spoil anything. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, you're right. We'll have to brainwash ourselves. Uh-huh. Uh, one other piece of business, just real quick, I want to mention on this podcast that um, next week for my birthday, because in my book, I talk about my birthday as a widow, and um, I my book is going to go up free on Amazon. The Kindle version will be free to download on January 18th and 19th. I think that's next Thursday and Friday. Is that oh, that's right? awesome. Which of, so, those, which of those days is your birthday? I feel sorry that I don't already know I'm the sorry. answer. I'm sorry. It's Wednesday and Thursday next week. Wednesday's my birthday, January well, 18th. Well, happy early birthday. It's well, so exciting you, that your book's going to be free. I'll definitely be sharing it with my people. Thank you. Thank you. And anybody out there widowed or just interested in reading Widowed, If you know any widows, let them know. The Kindle version will be free to download on Amazon 18th and 19th. That's next Wednesday and Thursday. And um, then if you would come back and leave a review, because book reviews, just like getting reviews on our podcast, real important because it gives us more exposure in iTunes if we get plenty of reviews on our podcast. 
It gives the book more exposure on Amazon if it has lots of reviews mm. so other people find it. So that's mm. like critical. And if you grabbed Rachel's, Rachel's book, go review it too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was super, super happy. I got, I've got a fair amount now. There's always the possibility that Amazon will take some down after a couple of months. They but, do. Um, <laughs> did that they happen do. to you already? Yes, yes. Oh, they, yeah. they pulled down some of the reviews. The deal with Amazon, just for our listeners, I don't know if you guys even care, but Amazon does not want anybody who could possibly be friends or family leaving you reviews. And they have a deal with Facebook to cross-index email addresses. Mm. So if... And this is a bummer because a lot of my, I want to call them fans, a lot of my readers have friended me on Facebook. Yeah. And my, my clients who are widows and, you know, they've, and I don't turn people away from Facebook friends. Of so course. Now Amazon sees them on my Facebook as friends, so they've removed their reviews. Yep. Well, I, I haven't quite got to the point where they started to pull them yet. Because um, I think I think what our publisher said about it is that if their auto their auto function on that catches it, that it'll happen within like hours, and it could take months if it's the people they have manually doing it. So that's probably what happened okay. to you. Yeah. It's been it's been a few months since your book initially launched. Right, right. So they've been checking anyway. Just want to let our listeners to this podcast know you can go snag my book for free next week. And let's get on to this show. Let's do I'm it. Like, okay, we're doing season one, episode 11, The Right Thing to Do, mm. which, oh God, the meanings of the title, it was not what I expected it to be. Uh, <laughs> really? No, me either. Yeah. We were all um, speculating, and we were totally wrong. <laughs> so I know. I know it. I know it. And we got to open up with Jack as a teenager. Like, we haven't seen any of Jack's backstory, really. Yeah. So that was exciting. Was I that mean, it was, was sad, but it was kind of cool to see his backstory. I know. I know. Like, his parents were fighting, and his dad was jacking his mom up, putting his hands on his mom, and Jack comes in to stop them. Right? Yeah. And that was like really, it was upsetting to watch. Well, yeah. And you can see that um, even though he wants to stand up to his dad, he's still at that point, at least afraid of him. Well, he's a kid still, really. For sure. I mean, he was his pretty young. His dad's kind of like a big, tough dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but And it does show his mom saying to him, promise me you'll never be like him. Yeah. Well, we we know that we know that he held up his end of that promise. That's true. That's true. Um, but and jumping forward a little bit, but I I mean I really have to because I thought about this after watching the show, you know, I was thinking about Jack's mom, and I realized we haven't heard a peep about his mom. Mm -hmm. Like in current day or you know, when the babies were being born, anything. We haven't, you know, Thanksgiving, they were going to go see um, Rebecca's mom and right. Rebecca's family. So I'm like, oh, what happened to Jack's mom? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> I am jumping ahead, but you know. Well, and also, um, as far as both, I think, when they're teenagers and present day, like, we don't know even about Rebecca's parents. We don't know whether they're still living yet. I don't think we've been told that they're not or that they are. But, like, I'm I'm basically the age of the big three. I'm a couple years younger. No, no, younger. wait, wait. We do know that they are. Because, oh, you? oh, well, at least, oh, you're right. Present day, we don't. Because that yeah. was when the big three were kids. Yeah. When, when Randall was saying, I don't like it when they say, no, just the twins. Yes. So and that, that was when, yeah, that's in the eight-year-old timeline. Yeah. Um, and it, But in the current timeline, they could still be alive. Uh, my mom's parents are still alive, and I'm about the age of the big three. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. a little younger than them, but more or less similar. So they absolutely could still be alive, uh, Rebecca's parents or even uh, Jack's father, for all we know. Right, right. So anyway, we flash to Jack and Rebecca as newlyweds, and they are looking for an apartment that's going to have room, like a second bedroom for the baby. Right. And um, they were looking at one that she was liking, and she was saying, gosh, do you think we could, and then Jack tells her he already got it. Yeah, he already put down, you know, first, last, and security on it. Which I thought, awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he's so, like, you know, he spoils her. What can I say? You know, you can yeah. just see really in this episode how at least at, between the point where, um, you know, they're kind of newlyweds and they're, they're, she's just getting pregnant around that timeline, from then at least until the the eight-year-old timeline in that window, it just seems like he would do everything anything for her oh yeah yeah i love that um then we see them together at the doctor oh i take exception with this doctor i really do they're being <laughs> told that they're having triplets yeah but the way he tells them first what if i told you were having twins and they were like oh my god and he's we'd say you're lying he says well i am lying you're having triplets like what doctor pulls that on somebody right well, yeah and then proceeds to be like i'm sorry <laughs> i know i know i was just you know the first time through it kind of went past me and um i did get that far watching trying to do a second watch through i got about 15 minutes in on the second watch through yeah um and i looked at that and you know i was just like no no doctor would be that stupid to yeah. like Put it to them like that. Yeah, um, no. I mean, it's certainly not in this day and age anyway. I know. Um, yeah, I guess, like, I, I mean, I guess they're trying to, like, sort of set up this consistent kind of story of from the moment they find out they're having three, it's kind of like, oh, my God, this is sort of a disaster. Um, well, it would be. When I was pregnant and I was in my 20s, my husband and I were both in our 20s. If it had turned out to even be twins at that point, we would have just freaked out. Because yeah. we could barely afford the one baby we were having at that yeah. time in our life, you know, let alone two or three. Still, I don't think it was the doctor's place to tell it to them like, you know, like it was this big 
like negative thing. I think he probably should have been like, congratulations. It seems like you're having triplets and just leave it at that. Yeah. And it wasn't even like a negative thing. He did it like this gotcha. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) It was like, but then they show him um, somebody behind a newspaper and he's saying, wow, it's never fun to tell a couple they're having three babies instead of one. Did you know who was behind the newspaper from the second they panned over? Because I did. I didn't. I oh, didn't. I totally I'm, did. I'm slow on the uptake, but of course the paper drops and it's Dr. K. Yeah. <laughs> and he's even saying better they better they're your patients than mine. Right. Right, right. Yeah, oh I knew I knew it was gonna be Dr. K from the second he he was talking to another doctor behind a newspaper, I was like, Oh yeah. Um yeah. and then, then sure enough there he was. I know, I know. So that was like a and, fun little inside joke. <laughs> It was, it was. But then cue the music, and the music is, I can't live if living is without you. Right. And Toby is alive. Yeah. Hey, I think everybody in their, in the country watching it must have jumped up in their living room at that moment, you know? It's like, Toby is alive. He had an arrhythmia, not a heart attack. Yeah. But, that, you know, that doesn't make sense to me because they showed him with, they were shocking him with the paddles. Now, I know that'll bring back the arrhythmia, but that qualifies as a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, it kind of seemed like they really, like, just played into that plot point. Like, like that they in, were intentionally misleading with the way that that whole thing panned out. Right. Especially because... We didn't even come back to, like, seeing how, like, he got rescued or whatever. Like, we just come back, and she's in the hospital, and then she goes into his room, and he's sitting there alive, like, and talking to her. Like, so I felt like it was kind of, it was not my favorite storytelling in the series. Sometimes they're so nuanced and elegant, and I didn't think that they were with that one. I didn't think so either, and I don't think their fact, their medical fact checking, was very good around because yeah. there were lots of things I questioned, and only because I've worked in the medical field in my past. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Number one, why did they put a stent in? Why are they saying it's not a heart attack? If if they were hitting him with the paddles, he was like in severe fibrillation or something, and. That's a heart attack. It means his his heart stopped functioning. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, too. I mean, what can I say? Yeah. I um, I, I don't know where they were going with, with that exactly. Or, like, like, it made me think, like, did they think that he was going to have a heart attack and then change their mind? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Toby is downplaying the severity of it, which, situation normal for a guy. Right. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think they do that, even if, if they don't want to even admit to themselves that they had something dramatic happen, because it's just too scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and and Toby's kind of got that kind of um, personality where I think he just um, sort of almost to a fault tries to keep things light. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and we're gonna I'm gonna touch on that more as we get later into that storyline. Yeah. Um we go to Kevin and Sloan coming downstairs in Randall's house in the morning. How awkward was that? Yeah, really awkward. 
I know. And, you know, Kevin is right away. I thought he was sleeping in the basement. (gasps) You're right. So, yeah, I was a little just probably just a continuity error, but. Yeah. Um, And he kind of tries to defend the whole casual sex thing with a writer to Randall after Sloan leaves. Right. Then Kevin confronts William about coming out late in life. Mm. And William was like, it's not late in life. I've always liked both men and women. Yeah. You know, and that whole conversation, that made me really uncomfortable, too. Yeah, it was awkward. And, like, I think, I, I think I liked the way they played it. Like, it was awkward, and Randall was also kind of, like, mad at himself for being awkward and weird, but he couldn't yeah, help it. Kevin wasn't. And Kevin's like, you know, Randall comes, turns to Randall and says, so your bio daddy is only half gay. Right. And then when I guess there's mention that Randall is waiting for Jesse and Kevin says, oh, he's waiting for his boom chicka wow wow. Yeah, and it's like, what? <laughs> what would somebody really be this? Yeah, I don't know. It... Obnoxious about it? I mean, maybe Kevin. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where the writers were going with that at all. Yeah, I, I thought I thought we were supposed to be seeing some growth for him, although maybe in this episode they're kind of backpedaling that a little bit, which is realistic. You know, we don't just, like, take, you know, ten steps forward without taking two steps backwards. I know. Well, I have to say, on this episode, as happy as I was to have the show back, and how I, excited I was about some of the developments in this episode. Mm. I'm not thrilled with the writing in this episode, nor am I thrilled with the director. I mean, yeah. I'll just jump right out there with that. And I'll, I'll, we'll hit on why in a few points further on. Um, the director was Timothy Busfield. He's an actor turned director. I was trying to look at his background in Wikipedia. Looks yeah. like he hasn't done a lot of directing yet. He's mostly an actor. So I, you know, I wasn't yeah. happy with Timothy, if you're listening, which I severely doubt. <laughs> I am not. not pleased with the directing on this episode. Yeah. I, anyway. I'm going to guess because it's the first episode back and the, the last episode was such a cliffhanger that this episode probably had pretty good ratings um, anyway. But I agree. It was by far not my favorite episode. Um, yeah. And I thought a lot of – it had weird pacing and, like, weird jumps between, like – like, I personally felt that that jump right in the beginning between that scene, that really intense emotional scene with Jack as a teenager – and yeah. just going to the two of them sort of like happily looking at apartments. Oh, I yeah. kind of felt like that was a little tone deaf. And there's a lot of stuff like that in this episode. And it's a, yeah, yeah, this episode is missing some of the really cool transitions we've seen in other episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't have that real finesse. Um, we go from, again, it's like, I don't know where this transition comes from. I didn't get grasp anything going from that conversation in Randall's kitchen to Jack and Rebecca sitting in the new apartment in the baby room after yeah. they've been told they're having twins Yeah, and saying it looks so much smaller now and it's a six floor walk up. 
Yeah. Um, it, it just, it was awkward. Like, cause it took you a minute to figure out what we were talking about or like where we were and. Right. Right. Um, Jack is saying we can't get back the security deposit. Um, so it's kind of like, well, they're stuck with this little tiny apartment. And Rebecca talks about how much she's dreading having to have lunch with her mother that day. She calls her her passive-aggressive mother. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Jack um, tells her, he even confesses to her that he cried about not being able to get back that security deposit. That's so cute. <laughs> and knowing that, I know it. I know it. And saying, you know what, I'll figure something out. I'll figure something out. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, this is, you know, classic Jack that we've come to know and love. I know it. I know it. Um, and then we go back to Randall and Beth with Randall saying to Beth, am I homophobic? I mean, he's really worried that, you know, it's, all of a sudden it's because I guess he's having so many feelings about his dad being bi. Hmm that he's thinking he might be homophobic. And of course, one of the best lines in the show is, um, she says, well, your coworker's gay. And he says, no, my coworker's French Canadian. I know. I thought gay. that was it's, funny myself. It's confusing. I know it. I know it. Um, but they kind of openly talk about the acceptance of Jesse and William. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I mean, I guess maybe we're so supposed to see it transparently. I thought the reason why he was upset was going to be kind of because it made him feel weird and like kind of questioning about William's relationship with his mom. Um, but like, I did get the way that they wrote it and like what Beth said was that, Oh, you know, you just felt like you were getting to know him and that, you know, you found out this big thing that you didn't know about him. Right. Right. Um, which I'm with you. I would think that it would be more awkward for Randall considering that his dad is bi and not like, yeah, like my dad's with a man now. And like, what was he doing with my mom? Right. Exactly. It's just, it seems like it would kind of be, um, I I don't want to say confusing, but it would just probably give him a lot of, um, things to think about, about like what exactly did happen, you know, when they were together and when he was conceived and all that stuff. Right. Right. And either way, it's going to be awkward to write and present that. It's just going to be awkward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, um, I'm, I, I just don't totally get why they chose to introduce that storyline. Um, I just feel like, I, I don't know, maybe they're going some, somewhere really interesting with it. For I hope me, so. It seems like <laughs> it's just kind of become like a strange, awkward thing to write around as they're writing this development of the relationship between William and Randall and Randall's family at the end of William's life. Um, now there's like this other factor that you know, it, it just doesn't seem like it is a smooth, um, entry into the story, especially at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where they go with that. 
Um, we are back in the hospital room with Toby and Kate playing strip poker. I want to back up. When, when he first responds to Kate, like, and then says he's been awake for an hour, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, yeah. I don't even get that. Um, there have been comments even on the boards about this, about his constant, um, sexual innuendos. Mm. And I can see where I think this is really, it's not so much how it's written. I think is how it's acted. And this would be the director because, you know, actors can put a lot of themselves into the character and the acting, but it's the director that's going to guide them towards the interpretation that right. the director thinks they want. Okay. And for Toby, this did not come off as playful or joking he's you know telling her to get on top of him yeah and it, it comes off more like really sleazy whiny stuff and it doesn't make sense because he's clearly been catheterized right um, so, yeah, no it doesn't I mean I think there's multiple points at which that doesn't totally like why exactly did they do that look I First of all, I appreciate that they put that they wrote into the show the fact that he is legitimately extremely sexually attracted to Kate. I yeah. think that's a huge thing to see on TV because normally in any movie or show, you know, when basically when the fat girl is getting laid, it's because somebody's like throwing her a bone or they were drunk or whatever. Right. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that, um, they wrote that in. On the other hand, I think the way that they did it, both in the writing and the acting and the directing, um, and especially in this episode was very awkward. It kind of felt relentless. Like they went back to it too many times Yeah. and, um, it didn't seem to fit with the early Toby that we saw, like maybe in the first seven episodes or so. Yeah, it was kind of bizarre. And, you know, I could almost get it because, and I share this with everyone, I can't believe I do, but <laughs> exactly one month after Jim and I got married, he was rushed into heart surgery. Hmm. Okay. And after this, and it was a big heart surgery. It was like a quadruple bypass. He was trying wow. to have a heart attack and die. Okay. In his recovery period, and not immediately, because when he first woke up, he was like really out of it. Um, but there was a point in the recovery when I was there in his room with him, the nurse went out and she kind of pushed the door over as she went out and he said, she's closed the door quick, jump in here. And then he laughed and I laughed because, you know, it was his stupid sense of humor. Like, right. you know, quick jump into bed with me. For and we sure. both, we both laughed because, you know, he was like, yeah, <laughs> catheterized right. and, Right. Obviously, obviously, so, like joking and playing around, which they could have done that in this scene they for sure. could have done that. I mean, he certainly could have made it a joke for her, you know, like there he is. He's, you know, gone through this horrible thing and to joke with her about jumping into bed with him. But it wasn't funny. I mean, it wasn't joking. You're right. They went there too much and it was too insistent. Well, when they go back to it, they're playing poker in the hospital room we're playing cards you know and of course toby's joking it should be strip poker doctor comes in and tries to make a joke um toby is like ready to roll he's like get me out of here mm. yeah um, but the doctor says the arrhythmia was caused by a hole in his heart 
between two chambers of his heart and that they could treat it with medications, but the doctor strongly suggests surgery to repair it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's interesting that they're going this whole way because it seems like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like um, this might be like a genetic thing. And I totally thought when they went on the heart attack or heart problem angle with Toby that it was going to be related to his weight, didn't you? Well, I guess that's what the assumption would be. I didn't really connect it with his weight when he had the heart attack. But... Oh, I did. I I thought yeah. I thought that's where they were going with it was that he was going to have this epiphany about his health for uh, himself or something. Yeah, but Which he could. He still could. I mean, most men that go through a heart attack come back with that kind of epiphany about their health, yeah. whether they have extra weight or not. You know, they like yeah. start walking every day and doing all that stuff. Right. But um. A couple things strike me about this scene. I mean, right away, Toby's like, you know, we'll do the meds and get me out of here and no surgery. And Kate is pissed, pissed. Like, are you kidding? They can fix this and you don't want to fix it? Yeah. I'll give you a couple clues here. The doctor has to offer the alternatives, but he strongly suggests surgery. And then when they talk about it again with the doctor, he said, I can get you in tomorrow. Right. That only happens if you're trying to die. Yeah. Okay. Because that's kind of how Jim's surgery was. Right. You know, it was like late at night and the doctor said, you know what? I'm going to be able to get you in tomorrow morning. This was for a surgery that took all day until sundown. Right. So the doctor didn't get him in. He had to have all of his surgeries canceled because he knew Jim needed to get into that surgery or die. Yeah. I think it was almost that severe. Now, I don't know if a hole between the chambers is that severe, except that the hole could have maybe torn more while the heart was out of rhythm and they were doing the shocking. Who knows? It. I got the impression from the doctor, like, you need to get your behind into surgery. Mm, yeah. Um, that, that. I mean, it's, it seemed like it, it seemed like that was the thing to do. And yeah. in that situation, I kind of agreed with Kate, kind of like, We've just gone through all of this and you're going to like take your chances with the medication. Right. Right. Um, so like in a way it's like, well, it's his life, but on the other hand, it's kind of not just like that because they just had this big reconciliation and it's clear that they're, you know, super serious about each other. And, Mm. um, yeah. Um, so I, I actually thought her reaction was appropriate in that situation. I think so, too. I think so, too. We go from there to Jack at work doing his construction thing. Right? He's like the contractors. I can't remember what you call them, like the manager. Mm. Not I've got the wrong word, but that's okay. The The contractor who owns the business is in this house saying um, the house that they're working on is just a money pit that it's like the worst that he's ever tried to renovate. Right. Uh, Jack tells him that he's having triplets and asks for a raise. Right. Yeah. Gets the small raise, asks for more, but you know, the contractor's like, I can't, this is, you know, yeah. Um, it, it, 
it's I was kind of surprised that he got anything, but you can see that Jack's just like resolved that he's gonna do what it takes. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's willing to even ask his boss after that whole conversation about how terrible the house is and what a money pit it is. I know it. I know it. But, you know, the truth is, when you go back in time, back in time, there was a time when it was considered justifiable to ask for a raise if you had something like, you know, a child needing expensive medical treatment or, oh, my God, we're having triplets or, oh, my God, we have a baby on the way. Right. And I think I've earned a raise and I would like a raise now, (laughs) you know, it was, you know, we're today in today's world. It's like, you don't ask for a raise based on your personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and he does get one. He does get one. Not as much as he was hoping for, but. 10%, 10%, which 10% of what you would have been making back in the early 1980s. mm, That's not a lot. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah. Did you did you catch that on his way into the building to talk to his boss? They, uh, I believe that the trope for this is called showing us Chekhov's gun. Um, and I knew, I knew the second that guy said, "Nice car, ever want to sell it?" I'm like, "Oh, he's gonna sell him the car." You sell him the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you yeah. So bright. You don't show us Chekhov's gun in Act One just to not shoot someone with it in Act Three. And, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we go back to Kevin and Sloan doing rehearsal, and they're like magic together. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're kind of they've got all this energy. They're like looking each other right in the eyes, and there's this intensity yeah. between them. So the director starts out making it sound like, wah, wah, but then said, no, you, you, are, you are so good together, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, then the, Kevin and Sloan are just kind of together, and she's asking what, they're re- what they are relationship-wise. Yeah. And Kevin says, I like sleeping with you. I love that you're funny. I don't know what we are, but I love the fact that we are a we. Yeah. Which, that was so good. So yeah. good. But then Olivia comes back in, yeah. and she's blonde. Which looks terrible on her. Oh, my God. My color analyst's heart is breaking. We, wait, wait, wait. Can we just take a moment of silence to all hate Olivia? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, truly. She comes back in, and she says, I made the physical change to go with my spiritual change. And she says in the last month, she's been in something in Kansas and with a shaman somewhere down in the Southwest and that she has found her true authenticity in one month. With right. Things. Um, which is yeah, like, just like... the most shallow authenticity she could possibly present with. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like clearly nothing has actually changed. I think that's what we're supposed to uh, take from that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And that she's come back to the show and she wants to bring this authenticity back to Kevin for them to be together again. And Sloan says, sorry, we're dating now. Like, you left, time goes on. Right. Yeah. And then Ron, the director, comes in. 
and sees her and he's like oh my god it's you know it's olivia and he hugs her and he says we were just dead without you yeah shit <laughs> <laughs> it's like oops. i mean the look on kevin and sloan's faces first of all and i thought about it like this director okay when he told them how good they were now i personally think they were pretty good together on stage when the director is telling them this, you have to remember Kevin is now funding the right. show. That's his boss. Yeah, so Kevin is where the money's coming from for this play. So, of course, the director's going to suck up to him. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I just, what but a moment. He's a sassy theater person and forgets himself for a minute as soon as he sees Olivia, clearly. I know it. I know it. And you know what? I think we just have to rush ahead with this because I can't, these are not good cuts back and forth. No. But, (laughs) so I'm going to rush ahead to where Kevin is telling Olivia, Sloan, like, excuses herself out of the way. And Kevin is telling Olivia he's keeping Sloan in the play. And Sloane right. overhears this, and you see her smile. It's like, yeah. And then Olivia says, what about us? And he says he's going to continue to date Sloane because she's kind, and sometimes you just got to do the right thing, even if it's not what you want. And Sloane hears that. And I yeah. just want to punch Kevin. I know. Well, and we did get that in the cuts. We did get that little piece where the big three are sitting in the hospital waiting room and Kevin's talking to them about like the sex appeal of either of the, the these two women. And it uh, to yeah. me, it was clear that um, <laughs> uh, my, I, I'm a big millionaire matchmaker fan. It's like my one of my trash TV things. And she always says, you know, like the pecker does the picking, basically. And, oh it's, and it's clear to me that he's like he's more attracted to Olivia. It's clear to me that that's so. the case. He's definitely attracted, but yes. I think. Hart really goes with Sloan. Oh, I I agree. I I totally agree. He knows mentally that he's the better choice um, and that Olivia's terrible, but he's just so sexually attracted to her, I think. Right, right. It's all hormones with Olivia, but he clearly knows that she still, I mean, she has not become authentic. She's still shallow as can be. She leaves in, you know, bitch fashion. Of course. <laughs> After they do this, Sloan comes walking out and Kevin says, wow, that's intense. Want to go have a drink with me? And she's like, no, I'm just going to lay low tonight. I, did Kevin not realize that she heard? Or no, no, he no. Either? Because she says, because she says, I, you know, we got a big rehearsal tomorrow and, it, and it's the right thing to do. And then, and he realizes because she says that after he had just said that, um, yeah. that, um, he realizes that she heard and he's like, yeah, and he calls after her, but, but she and just yeah. lets her go. But I was like, is it the realization that she heard or it, did he not even realize how that sounded for him to say until he realized she was a little upset about it? Um, I, I think, I think he realized how it, it sounded or like as soon as he thought about her hearing it, I think he realized that yeah. um that that would be very hurtful for her yeah because um, kevin's been pretty dense about this kind of stuff in the 
past. Admittedly, he did not know she was listening when he said that. To be fair, he should have kept it to himself to begin with, even if he didn't think she was there. Um, But, but yeah, he thought he was having a private moment, and he wasn't. So, can't 100% fault him. He totally didn't mean it. And he was trying to do the right thing. Right. Right. And I think what he meant was the right thing was going with his heart instead of with his man junk. Uh huh. (laughs) Right? Mm hmm. Instead of letting the pecker do the pecking. (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, Kevin. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, okay, let's go with Rebecca with her mom at lunch. Oh, yeah. Mom is really something else. First of all, it becomes clear that there's quite a bit of discrepancy in the social standing where Rebecca comes from as opposed to where Jack comes from. Right. Okay. Jack is in a lower middle class family with parents who are, you know, the dad is abusive to the mom. It seems like he's an alcoholic as well. Yeah. And Rebecca, her, it comes from a much higher society type family, um, but her mom is way controlling. Yeah. She calls her passive aggressive. I'm like total controlling mom. Yeah. Um, mom orders, you know, this socialite picky lunch order. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, salad, hold the avocado. Is a Caesar salad with no dressing and a glass of white wine. Yeah, yeah. And when they turn to Rebecca to get her order, her mom says she'll have the same thing. Right. And Rebecca says, except no wine. I'd like a Coke. Right. And the mom says, Diet Coke. Yeah. Well, I thought that was supposed to be giving us a little hint because there have been some hints before that maybe in the in the past, like maybe when she was a young kid, Rebecca did have some food issues. Um, So I was wondering if they were trying to drop that hint there as well. Like there was this food control thing between the two of them. Ah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Wow. Yeah. Um, Then Rebecca asked her mom to not smoke at the table. And, you know, her mom's like, oh, you believe everything you read, which I think in 1980, even they may not have started talking about that. Possibly the secondhand smoke is being a danger. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember well enough to be honest. Yeah. Well, I would, because I was pregnant in 1977. Right. (laughs) Three years before that. And they were not even telling the expectant moms to quit smoking. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I know that. Yeah. I know. Blows your mind, huh? A little it, step into the past. <laughs> it does. It does because even secondhand smoke has been a thing for like as long as I can I actually remember. No. They were not even telling expectant mothers not to smoke. We smoked on airplanes. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can I can remember <laughs> smoking in restaurants. In fact, I personally smoked in restaurants as a naughty teenager. Um, yeah. But... Uh, but even then, like, well, and, you know, they had those ridiculous smoking and non-smoking sections, which were really just all the smoking section. Um, right. But Where you thought you could, like, be in your little tiny section, your seat on the airplane and smoke, and it wasn't going to bother anybody. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, everybody knew that secondhand smoke was a thing even then. Yeah. It just took a while for the restaurant ban to happen. Right. Right. So, um, 
Yeah, mom is like a real bitch. Because she says to her, Jack can't even get you pregnant responsibly. Like, she's real judgmental about Jack. Yeah, it's just like, come on, you can't, hold, like, taper that back a little, lady. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't raise three children in a two-bedroom walk-up, and he can't support three children. Um, what did you think she was gonna she was gonna tell Rebecca to do out of curiosity? Because I totally took that whole conversation as a misdirect. I thought she was gonna try and tell Rebecca to have an abortion. To be honest with you, and yeah, I think they put a lot of misdirects in here. Yeah, and like sometimes they're they're clever and a good aspect to storytelling, but in this episode they were just like confusing or like wait what's happening oh no that was just that oh okay like right, it right. was more like that it didn't it didn't feel fluid or it didn't feel intentional I guess right right but when we see Jack and Rebecca at the end of their day home together Jack's going over the bank statement she's talking to him about lunch with mom and that she did have an idea and the idea was she suggested maybe once the babies come that they should move in with Rebecca's parents. Mm -hmm. It could save them money. They could live with them a year or two. Jack thinks she's joking and then realizes that Rebecca is serious. Yeah. Right? He says, you know what? Your mom drives you nuts. And she says, well, you know, could be nice to have family around. And yeah, he says, I... who are you? <laughs> Yeah, as much as I appreciate that he knew that how unhappy that would make her, like I don't I don't think it was unreasonable that she was thinking about doing it, to be honest. Right. Cuz they right. didn't really have any other plan. That's right. That's right. And Rebecca says, "You know what? Mom means well, and it would be good for us. So just keep an open mind." Right. Yeah. And then she says, "I need a gallon of chocolate chip mint ice cream." And he says, there she is. There's my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Which was really that. cute. Really cute. He goes out and she starts crying. Mm. Right. Because it's like she doesn't want to live with her parents. But there's really no other option that she can see. Jack gets downstairs and realizes he forgot his wallet. Mm. And comes back in and hears her crying. Mm -hmm. And I think he realizes that... He recognizes that she doesn't want him to know that she's hurt, that hurting that bad. Yeah. Yeah. So he says, forgot my wallet. Be right back. You know? Right. Right. And she kind of pulls it together to answer him. And then as soon as he goes out the door again, she is just dissolving into tears. Having you so been there when you don't want your, your significant other to know that you're upset about something and you're trying yes. to like fake it till you make it. It's just, yeah, that, that was a good moment in the episode. I liked it because it felt very real. It was good. It was good. Um, we see him drive past friendlies. Now, I don't know if you connected that, but as soon as I saw yeah. him go past friendlies, I knew that he was not getting ice cream yet. Yeah. Okay. He goes to his dad's house. And now this is really odd. He goes to this house, and this was one of their misdirects again, I think, hmm. um, because we see Jack standing outside of this house, and he takes his wedding ring off. Now, other people posted and said they thought that, God, has he got an affair going? 
and he's going to go see his mistress? Oh, you know, like, I didn't even realize, I didn't even see him take the ring off. Somehow yeah. I missed that. Yeah. But yeah, I would have yeah. thought that if I had seen it. I would have been like, oh, He took oh, his what? ring off. So it, then he goes into the house and there's his dad saying, what the hell do you want? Jack says, I need to borrow some money. Now, this whole scene, um, you know, his dad's saying, why do you need the money? And he says, I'm in a tight spot. And you're realizing that, one, his dad doesn't know he's married even. Right. And Jack doesn't want his dad to know he's married. Right. Because he probably, he probably never wants his dad to meet um, Rebecca or, like, in the future, their oh. children. That could be it. Because his dad is pressing him, saying, what, what do you need money for? Women? Gambling? And Jack says, it's gambling. And his dad says, yeah, your mom was bad with money, too. Matter of fact, she was bad at everything, actually. Oh, can we take a moment of silence to hate on Jack's dad? <laughs> I mean, I mean, clearly he's just horrible, top to bottom. And the fact that Jack is willing to go groveling to him like this to get the money to keep Rebecca from having to do basically the same thing with her parents is just it's it's so it's so selfless it's unbelievable it is it is especially when he says to his dad look can you help me out you've always been right about me I'm no good and now I've got my hand out mm -hmm. you know it's like oh my gosh um, but he does. He leaves with money from dad. Yeah. Okay. Then the next few scene cuts were really confusing to me because I wasn't sure if they were the same night the next morning. Like all of a sudden he leaves his dad's house and then you see him doing a deal selling his car. Mm -hmm. But what I got from that because of the way that the scene cut was so badly done was he walks out of his dad's house and he hands somebody the pile of money. I'm like going, is he really doing a drug deal? What's going on? Yeah. It took me a minute to connect it. Oh, wait, no. He, this is like later and he's selling this car to the guy. It it was very it was very chopped up. I think the only reason why the only reason why it made sense to me when I watched it was because I as the second he drove past Friendly's I was waiting for him to go sell the car because I knew from earlier when he said oh, yeah, when he sold his Jack already, gun I was you were already on to it and I wasn't at all yeah and I was totally confused with that. I think if you didn't hear the thing about like, hey, love that car. Am I going to sell it to me? And think, oh, he's definitely going to sell the car to pay for these babies. Um, if you didn't think that at that point, that later scene, that later cut that you're saying was very confusing. If you didn't already think he was going to sell the car. Yeah. Or if they had had the camera angle first panning on the car. Right. And then <laughs> backing up to show them both standing by the car and the guy handing him the money and Jack handing him the pink slip. <laughs> now I got it, you know. But this was like, what the heck? You know, I had no idea what that whole money exchange thing was. Yeah, it was not good storytelling. Yeah. And then they immediately cut to him walking with Rebecca into the house that um, his boss has been trying to flip. Right. Right. The money pit house. Yeah. And, you know, tells her, babe, I bought it. I scraped together the cash, sold the car, and Kenny gave me a really good price on this place. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
which I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was so, like, it's it's amazing that he did that. And, of course, even though it needs so much work, he knows because that's what he does. He knows that he's right. going to be able to do it. And and we know because we, we've seen them in the future, we know that's what happens. Right, right. And um, I think he says, you know, I've got six months to finish the downstairs before the babies come. Yeah. You know, and come see the upstairs. And he's so excited about what they could do. It's three bedrooms. There's a master bedroom. And she is able to see the vision, too. She mm -hmm. can envision the completion. And we start to see, like, all the flashes on the happy times as a family in that house. Yeah. Like, it starts jumping through their future a little bit. This yeah. Scene, this whole scene makes me so happy. Because yeah. I really, first of all, I have a thing for houses. Yeah. I really do. Anybody who buys a house, I'm like crying for them. I'm so happy for them. I don't know where that comes from. I probably should have been a real estate agent because I love houses so much. I, I love them too. Or like I, I'm that person who like walks around the city at night and when somebody's got their light on, I'm like peeking. I just want to see the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're like at home and they're talking and they're planning and I was just in tears for them. Yeah. This was so good. This was so good. Yeah. I'm kind of jumping ahead because that's almost, yeah, that's like the so end of the, the show. Pretty much the end of the episode. Let's go back because Jesse shows up for William. Mm -hmm. Randall answers the door and really tries too hard with Jesse. I yeah. mean. Yeah. You know, and he even, he says the sexiest thing about a man is his humor. And then oh says, wait, wait, would it be okay if I had some of the Japanese whiskey? Uh -huh. I mean, I'm just going, oh my God, that was so awkward. But I think that scene was like appropriately awkward. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to do this plot line, you know, I guess that's the way to do it. That's real. That's, yeah. you know, he's, yeah. he's trying, he's doing a terrible job, but he's trying. He's trying. He's trying. And then William comes downstairs and says he's going to be staying the night with Jesse. And Randall says, so you're coming back tomorrow? And he says, well, we'll play it by ear. And Randall looks like not happy about that. Later, when Randall does come home again, and Randall's asking, you know, do you think we've bonded since you've moved in? And why is it so easy for you to push me to one side now that Jesse's come back and you no longer spend time with us? So now we get to the real crux of what Randall is struggling with. It's not so much his dad's sexuality. So he's jealous. He's jealous of his dad spending time with Jesse. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, here he has his biological dad, doesn't know how long they're going to get to have him before he dies. Right. And now he's going off and spending all this time with this boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. William tells him, I can feel it now, Randall. The cancer is coming for me sooner rather than later. And what he's done is he does not want Randall and the family to have to deal with all this end of life stuff. Mm hmm so he's been doing it with Jesse. Jesse's been taking him to look at skilled nursing facilities to try to find a good one that he can go into when it gets to be too bad. Mm -hmm. And Randall says, no, wait a minute. This is your home. You can live in your home and you can die in it. Mm. 
which that was like so touching. I mean, it really was like William was trying to spare them all that and even look for a place where he could be admitted when it gets really bad so Mm -hmm. that they don't have to deal with his decline. Um, But Randall's saying, no, no, this is your home and you can die in it. Yeah. uh, I I guess I see it both ways. Like I can see it from both perspectives. I see why he kind of, why William kind of doesn't want to, you know, think about how hard that's going to be for the girls and everything. Right. Right. Um, But on the other hand, um, you know, obviously um, Randall just wants to spend the time that they have left together. Right. Yeah. And, but then the truth of it is that William says um, he wants to stop the chemo. Right. Like it's not working. And in other words, William has decided it's time to stop trying. Right. And to just, he knows he's going to die. He's going to die eventually. And it's like the chemo's not working. I just want to stop the chemo now and die. Well, yeah, I mean, even from the beginning, um, he didn't even want to do this treatment that he was on, but Randall kind of talked him into it. Right. Yeah. So, um, wow, that's such a tough thing. And Randall says, everything's going to be okay. We'll stop the chemo. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. When someone you love feels it's time to give up, that has got to be so hard to be supportive because it's like every fiber of your being wants to fight to keep them there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. And you, you know, you totally see why, you know, you want to get them to try everything, but at at some point it's kind of like, you know, how, how much are you going to torture that person just to, you know, keep them for one more day? If it's going to be, you know, if that day is going to be a nightmare for them. Right. Right. It's oh, it's tough. Yeah, anyway, let's go back to the hospital. Toby mm. decides he's going to do the surgery. And he has apparently texted Kate to tell her to come at once. They're taking him in. Okay. And as they are taking him off to surgery, he's telling Kate that he's kind of in love with her. Right. Right. He asked Kate for a kiss. And maybe we were supposed to read all that that stuff where he was coming on to her so hard as like awkwardness because what he really wanted to say was, you know, I love you. I want to be with you. I don't know. Right. Right. And they wail him off. And um, then we see Kate in the waiting room with Randall and William. Mm -hmm. And she's saying, excuse me, Kevin and Randall. And she's saying she realized she didn't say I love you back. Yeah. And now he's in surgery and she's like, you know, what if he dies in there? And I never said I love you back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was just so like thrown off guard in the moment. And it sounds like she's never been in a relationship that was serious enough to get to that point. Right. Right. So then we see Kate is in the room with Toby waiting for him to wake up and talk to him, which I made a note wouldn't really happen. 
because in the hospital when they are first oh in recovery, yeah. even if you're already married to them or if you're their mother, they don't let you go in there until they've already woke up and been checked over. And then someone comes out and tells you, okay, they're awake now. You can come in and see them. It's one of those things where somebody's talking for a long time and the other person's asleep and then they wake up um, that happens on TV that's like bad writing because it it's because it's something that only happens on TV. Like nobody actually acts like that. Yeah. Yeah. We accept it as a trope, but like it's not a good one because it's yeah, it doesn't didn't, it didn't work there. No. I mean, if he had been just sleeping, that kind of works. Yeah. But she thought he hadn't even woke up yet after surgery, which right. that just wouldn't happen because they yeah. wouldn't even come talk to her and let her in there. Especially she's not because she's not a relative and she's not married to him. Yeah. Even as a wife, they would, because I know this, I didn't right. get to go in and see Jim until after he woke up and they were able to talk to him and they checked him over and they extubated him. And then they let me in the room, you know, right. It was, yeah, it was crazy. So she would, anyway, she would but, know that he was awake, but whatever. She right away, she lets him know that she loves him too. And says, and he says, this is scary. I want to spend the rest of my life with you if you'll have me. Oh, she tells him that. I want to spend the rest of my life with you if you'll have me. Yeah. And he said it would be a lot hotter if she were in a nurse's outfit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what he says to her when he opens his eyes, right? Because he's yeah. already been awake. Yeah. Um, well, see, then he's just making a joke. That's a joke. The earlier yeah. stuff was like a weird, awkward come on. Right, right. And that was a joke and it was cute. And yeah. he says he would totally marry her if she's down for it, that he would marry the hell out of her. Which yeah, I, I love that. I loved that. I loved that. So, um, yeah, that was so, great. so, um, some of our listeners may, may or may not know, I think I've maybe mentioned it, but I've been, uh, it's, it's funny just because that in that moment, he kind of sounded like my guy and. Um, we've been engaged for a ridiculously long time and we've been together for almost 14 years and, wow. um, yeah. And, and we've been living together for seven. Um, so, um, we are finally, um, going to get married in September. I think we're, I, we're actually going to look at the venue tomorrow. Um, so I'm so excited for you <laughs> now I confess. Yeah. I knew this because yeah. I saw it in a Facebook message yeah. that that you guys had set a date. And my first thought was, I can't wait to see that wedding dress. Yeah, Did I you know, know everybody's saying that, so I've got to come up with I something know. good. I know. Listeners, if you don't know, Rachel is the, the image consultant, uh, fashion maven, and always totally glamorous i picture you like cleaning the bathroom in gloves and a feather boa you know <laughs> it's just like, always oh glamorous my, so. oh my I, darling i don't clean bathrooms <laughs> I, know, I know i know um, yeah so so every of course everybody says that as soon as i say this but yeah it just it just that was a moment when toby really reminded me of my guy and how oh. you know we're getting ready for our wedding and i was just I don't know. I, I, I'm root. I, I'm like everybody. I think not everybody, but most people are rooting for Kate and Toby. I think. Right. Right. 
um, a few of the posts that were in the This Is Us group. And I'm not going to say people's names because if you email us with feedback, then we will share your feedback and, you know, say your first name or whatever you want to let us share. Um, I had tried to ask in group uh, for feedback and um, the moderators didn't like that. They said, okay. you can just get their feedback here on the group. And I thought, well, we can't really we can't just say read. With, yeah. without people's permission. I mean, we can't say their names and stuff. So um, if you want to send us feedback about this show or the next show, as soon as you watch next Tuesday's episode, if you email us on Wednesday, then we'll have time to read your feedback and discuss it here on the podcast. Mm. You can send it to Joanne at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. Mm. J-O-A-N-N. Anyway, some of the comments on in the group, um, there was one gal that commented and said her favorite line was, I'd marry the hell out of you, Kate Pearson. Yeah. Okay, and yeah, loving all the guys on the show. And people responded saying, yeah, Toby melted my heart right there. Totally. Uh -huh. I also Another kind of one. love that she sort of proposed to him. Like, if you really, like, look at the order of what happens. Yeah. She, she says it first, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Well, he oh. had said it when he came in at Christmas. Basically, oh, yeah. he said, the one thing I can't live without is you. That's true. I mean, they, they were clearly leading up to it, but I like, yeah. I don't know. I like that she took some initiative in it, too. I thought that was very modern. But yeah, yeah who, who wouldn't like I'd marry the hell out of you? <laughs> I know, I know. The men on the show, somebody else posted and said, I fall more in love with Jack every episode. Don't we all want a man like that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Although somebody else posted and said, I couldn't help but think that if my husband came home and announced he bought a house with money that he saved, I would find it odd. Mm -hmm. I know it's from past generations, but I'm I'm glad to know what's going on financially in my household. I remember That's reading somebody true. else post kind of the same thing. Mm. Somebody else posted said, I turned to my husband during that and said, don't you ever buy a house without my seeing it. Oh my God. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that is true. I guess it's like the, the one saving grace besides the time period is that, um, you know, they're in an extreme situation. That was my thought too. And my other thought on that was, it's not like Jack could take her house shopping. They only got a house because he knew that his boss would sell it to him cheap just right. to get out from under it because it was such a money pit. Right. It's not like he could say, well, you could have this one or this one. It's like, no, this is the house that we can get. There's no other house. Yeah. So he just did it. And yeah, back in the day, um, women just weren't part of the financial. I mean, they were part of the financial decisions. But the the thing is that Jack was working kind of as a, um, a self-employed. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really an employee with this guy, although I guess he was. He asked him for a raise. Right. But um, it's not like Rebecca would really even want to know what's in the checking accounts and savings accounts. Right. Yeah, it was, Yeah. you're right. It wasn't like they were going to go house shopping for sure. They, were, yeah. they weren't yeah. going to be able to afford anything other than the, the house that he got. And they desperately needed something. Right. Right. And, you know, she was, he knew she was devastated at the thought of moving in with her parents. And yeah. he wanted to make that right. Mm -hmm. 
right? He went in and heard her crying like that. It broke his heart. And so he was going to do everything he could to not have to have that happen. Also, she doesn't seem to work. Well, no, most didn't. Although I won't say all, because by 1980, I was working. Yeah, and like, you think, especially because they were married, but they didn't have kids yet, um, like, she could have been doing, like, waitressing or, or secretary job or something like that, at the very least. Right. Um, but you have to remember now, that's kind of um, where there was a turning point, Rachel, between women just being homemakers and women who worked. Right. Okay, so there were still a lot of women still just being homemakers and it probably would have never occurred to Rebecca to work because clearly her mother probably never worked they were very well off her dad whatever he does was making good money you can tell because mama's dressed very nice and um, you know takes her to a fancy restaurant yeah and I only worked truth be told because we were scrambling and it took both of us working to pay our rent you know yeah. Even though we had, uh, my daughter was born in 1977. So, yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like Jack would be like, if they could at all manage it, Jack would be the type to say, well, you know, um, no, you know, I'll, you just stay home. I'll, I'm going to take care of you. Like he wouldn't, I don't think he would have necessarily, not that he would have stopped her, but I think he would have just figured out how to take care of them both so that she didn't have to unless she wanted to. Right, right. I think so, too. Because I think, I think so. it seems like to me in this point, um, or like in the, the other um, episode where we had the throwback to the football game where she gets pregnant, um, and they're talking about the topic of having kids, it seems to me like she doesn't work, and she's kind of messing around with her singing, maybe trying to do something with that, but I think right. that's all, That's what she does. You're right. You're right. It was the whole singing thing. Mm-hmm. Another astute viewer posted in the group and said, did anyone consider when Rebecca was having lunch with her mom at the restaurant that Diet Coke was not sold until 1982? I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and the part where she's pregnant, the triplets would have been born around like 1980. So having lunch with her mom was probably around 1980 or earlier. And right. her mom said, no, make it a Diet Coke. They had tab then. What her mom would have said was, when Rebecca said, bring me a Coke, mom would have said, make it a tab. Mm-hmm. Now, you may not even know what Tab is. I do know what Tab is, as my Okay. Friend. Yeah. They do still make Tab, and my mom's really into it, so I happen to know what it is. You know. Okay. They stopped making Tab for a long time, and what yeah. they make now that they call Tab is very different. Right. And the reason they stopped making Tab, like Tab was really only out for two years, and they pulled it from the market. Right. Because it had saccharin in it, and mm-hmm. that's when those first studies came out where they gave laboratory rats like three times their body weight in saccharin. Right. And they all developed bladder cancer. So what a surprise that would happen if you give rats three times their body weight in saccharin. But, yeah, it was like the whole saccharin cancer scare thing came up and they pulled tab. Yeah. Um, um, but, well, yeah, that that whole thing was... You know, <laughs> yeah, but I forgive the writers for that because I thought if the mother had said no, make it a tab, 
I realize now how many people today in their demographic for this show would even remember what tab was. You know, I mean, you know what yeah. tab is. That's unusual. I, I, I would I don't know think... what it, yeah, I would know what it was, but I still would have been confused about why she said a tab because I I don't think of it as like the alternative to Coke still. Like I yeah. know it's a soda and I know it's a diet soda, but like I it wouldn't it wouldn't I I wouldn't have been able to make sense of it. Right, right. Where back in the day, Tab was the first diet soda and right. the only diet soda. Right. Okay. And it was kind of a big deal. Like everybody switched to Tab because oh, Tab will let you stay thin. Anyway, <laughs> I thought that was a really good catch on her part. Yeah. That's, and I wish she true. had written it to us because I would love to give you credit for posting that, but I can't. Yeah. Email us next time. That was a great catch. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, there were some other posts, but we're really pushing our time on this. We are well over an hour on this podcast. Oops. Um, I know. They showed us a little preview for next week. It looks like we get some more backstory on Dr. K. Oh. Which I love that. I don't get the preview on Hulu, so I haven't seen the preview. Yeah, we get some backstory on Dr. K. And I think we get, I wrote Randall backstory next week. I wonder, that's not right. Oh, it is right. It's William and Randall. We're going to get a little more backstory on what happened at the time of Randall's birth. Awesome. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Yeah. And that's no spoiler because none of y'all know exactly what it is they're showing us. But that's, you know, the little quick preview kind of showed that we we are going to get some more backstory on that, which is awesome. Well, I hope I hope next week we have a good director on the episode. I know, I know. Let's get back into the swing of things and get some more of those nice transitions. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So it was great. It's great to have the, the show back. I'm so excited and happy about that. Yeah. So again, before we sign off, if you want to send us, email us some feedback, just some of your thoughts on the show next week after you watch it or the next morning when you get up, email Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. And then Rachel and I will be able to share your feedback next week and credit you for some of these brilliant catches you guys make watching the show. I love it. Mm. So, Rachel, until next week. Yep. Until next week, we will see you then. We'll see you then. Keep it real, people, because this is us. Mm -hmm.